Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me, every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Laura Belgray is the author of Tough Titties on living your best life when you're the effing worst. Laura is the founder of Talking Shrimp and co-creator of The Copy Cure with Marie Ferleo. She has been featured in Fast Company, Money Magazine, Forbes, Vox, and Business Insider, and has written for Bravo, Fandango, FX, NBC, HBO, USA, Nick at Night, Nickelodeon, TV Land, VH1, and more. Belgray lives with her husband in New York and, except for college, has never lived anywhere else. Not coincidentally, she doesn't drive. Welcome, Laura. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss tough titties on living your best life when you're the effing worst. (laughs) (laughs) Zimmy, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my gosh. I think we have to start with the beavers. 
<laughs> beavers come first let's do it beaver talk <laughs> in your book we we both grew up in new york and went to a similar school and i had a similar mascot and all of that <laughs> very similar and you're so funny in the book when you talk about it as you are with literally everything you talk about in the book when you're like okay guys like literally my mascot was a beaver we had like a hundred centennial of beaver days in <laughs> all um, girls school yeah. and they chose the beaver and celebrated with 100 years of eager beavers. Pins. <laughs> okay. So tell me about why you decided to take that memory, all your memories of sort of school and growing up in ninth grade and going to studio and just all the, the retrospective stuff and packaging it up in this way, which is both humorous and sort of a, a spinoff of self-help in a way. Uh, just talk to me about starting the book and where this all came from. Thank you. Well, I, I would say nostalgia is kind of my style. I mean, the book does go up to present day, but I love those memories of the 70s, 80s, 90s in New York. It was just such a different time. And I have very specific memories of it. And whenever I share them with people, like, oh my gosh, that has to go in your book. Yeah. And I talk about all girls school with the mascot of the beaver. Uh, that's in the book, right? Going to Studio 54 and having a disastrous night there because I was 14 and with two people who, one of whom didn't have permission to be there. That was always the story I love to tell. There are a lot of stories that I kind of dined out on for a long time. And like these have to go in the book. So that's where those came from. You also have a whole section on, you called it something about the potato chips, but you talked about Weight Watchers and how that went. And tell me all about that section of, of life and, and all of that. Steve's ice cream. Steve's ice cream. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. I, I scooped at Steve's ice cream. That was my, like we had a, an elective senior year of high school where we could take a job instead of taking classes. And so I chose to scoop ice cream at Steve's. It was like my dream job, but because I was in the throes of like, I would say a moderate modified eating disorder, I didn't have one lick of real ice cream all spring or summer while I was working there, I would stop at Baronet's, a place on the Upper West Side, or Zabar's on my way to work and pick up frozen yogurt and bring it and save it in the ice cream freezer <laughs> for my ice cream break. And everybody else would have their, like, you know, their cookie monster or their scoop of whatever it was, vanilla with Reese's pieces mixed in. And I would pull out, smugly pull out my my little cup of frozen yogurt and nibble at it. Uh, so yeah, the chapter called Watch the Potato Chips is all about my, I would say very early indoctrination into diet culture, like being self-conscious of and ashamed of my weight from age five. I wasn't even looking back. I'm like, I wasn't even a fat kid. I just had like a little chub around me as kids should, but I felt like everybody else had a flat stomach. Like even at five, I was getting out of the pool and covering my stomach. And my mom, I know you relate to this. My mom was always watching her weight. She was not, she didn't push. She really tried not to push that on me. She didn't want me to feel bad about myself the way she did. She always had tab in the fridge and Weight, a Weight Watchers scale on the counter and she would measure out everything and calories of everything. And 
obviously I picked up on that, like gotta be that imperative to be skinny and it informed so much of my life and still does really. Like I still, even though I've become normal about normal ish about food, though I'm still weird and controlling about it. I do still always, I count my steps every day. I am always kind of assessing in the mirror, even though I don't weigh myself anymore. Like, did I put on weight? Did I lose weight? Am I at my thinnest? Am I not at my thinnest? And it has, it's dictated a lot of my life. Like couldn't handle a job that started in the morning that started, that was nine to five or 10 to six, because that would mean I had to get up way too early to work out and I couldn't handle that life. I was like, I'm not, if I can't work out, then I can't take the job. Yeah. I feel like these entrenched parent led or culture led weight things do not go away. No. Like ever. It's really sad. I feel like I do the same thing a lot with pictures. You know, every picture I'm like, it doesn't matter what I was doing. You know, I could be like doing something really from a career perspective, like great, but I'm not looking at that ever in the picture. I'm like, okay, look at that. Okay. See my chin there? Look at my cheek. (laughs) You know, that's bad. I'm going to look back on this and regret this whole thing. And I, it's so stupid. You know, I know it's stupid, but it's also like, but it is. I always do that. I'm like, Oh, I was thinner there. What was I doing then? And sometimes like, Oh gosh, I was so thin in that, like in that picture, I'm so thin, but I know that was one of the most stressful, miserable times of my life. But still, I like the way I looked. Yeah, I can't believe I fit in those pants. I know, you know, someone was like, yeah, you looked a lot thinner then, but you didn't look better. Like you look better now, but you look thinner then. And I'm like, are they so different? Exactly. (laughs) It's very hard for us to separate that having grown up with what we did. And like things are changing now. And although not entirely, I mean, there is body positivity, but then also on Instagram, there's still thigh gap and probably TikTok you know, how to have a thigh gap. But my, I have a good friend whose daughter is 11 and she heard her saying, and she's a little pudgy and adorable. And she heard her daughter saying, you know what? I'm fat, but it's okay because I look really good and I like my body. And I was like, gosh, can you imagine that? Like having that attitude, just knit neutral about thinking you're fat. Like it's not a, it's not a diss. It's not a criticism. It's not something you have to change. What, what do you even mean by this? I don't know. <laughs> I know. It's so foreign. It's like saying, I have brown hair yeah. to her. Like I'm fat. It's not a bad and thing. I, I do not mean in this conversation, I don't in any way mean to put any sort of negative judgment on it. I, this is my own neuroses from right. you, know, you know, my mom, not to blame my mom, because that was like the life she was living, but you know, scooping out the same amount of cottage cheese every single <laughs> yeah. morning. You know, she would put like two saccharin in her coffee and then like <laughs> cottage cheese and fruit every day and going to Gilda's for a workout and you know, blah, blah, blah. Everything was the same. Yeah, tab, like all the same stuff, like constant. Yeah. Focus. Although, you know, whatever. Now she's like almost 75 and like super thin and fit. So I don't know who's right. laughing now. <laughs> right. Ex- yes, exactly. And that's that's one of the things that like I don't, I mean, it it is, I would love to be so neutral about my body and not be imprisoned by any of that. But on the same, like on the other hand, I have stayed fit for my life and have habits that other people 
had struggled to develop because they never had to worry about it. Mm-hmm. And then they hit their forties and they're like, Oh, I have to work out. I'm yeah. like, Oh, I feel gross unless I have worked out. Like I, it's so ingrained in me that it's both a negative and a positive. Like now I, I have that habit. So I'll yeah. probably stay healthy and la- live longer, last longer. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing too. I feel like it's so much about health. Like yeah. if you, you know, anyway, whatever. I don't mean to get us. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's sort of not. There is no on or off track when you like spill your guts in this book. You know, like, if you right. like, go in a million directions. You also have this whole section on what you did with boys. I can't even like say it. I'm like such. You know, you have this whole <laughs> <laughs> chapter nine. Yes, and you know, even like the boy calling you on Yom Kippur and all of that. Like, tell me more about, about that and writing about your experiences <laughs> with guys early on and as you were getting older and all of that. Yeah, well, I have. T- I mean, I have a few chapters that deal with that, with getting into ill-advised entanglements or one-nighters with guys, which start with the chapter, Boys Don't Like Me. And I was convinced that boys didn't like me. And they didn't. I mean, I... <laughs> As I say in the book, I have receipts like the spin the bottle party where the, you know, the guy whose bottle landed on me was like, uh, do over. And <sighs> the one who had to go in the closet with me was like, okay, we're not doing this. Right. And I was like, oh no, yeah, totally not. So I, between that and then switching to an all girl school, the, the aforementioned beaver school and between those two things, really boys became such a prize, this object to to seek out. And any attention from a boy was this, was like a blue ribbon to me, permission to live, like to take up space in the world. Like I'm worthy. I'm worthy of love because a boy likes me. And so, you know, starting with, I think, I guess, starting in high school, I would do things like if I had the opportunity of steal somebody's boyfriend, because he, you know, someone's boyfriend liked me, well, then I had to go for it and steal him. And then when I graduated from college and was living back in the city in my, you know, in my childhood bedroom in my parents' house, I went out like it was my job because I felt like I had never had that phase of, well, being slutty. Like I never, (laughs) I, I never sowed my wild oats. I never had the chance to have, you know, to experiment and have all these guys like me because they hadn't. And so now that I was, I guess I felt like, oh, I'm hot now. And so I started going at, but not hot enough. So I started going out really like it was my job. And my goal every night was to make out with somebody by 4 a.m., like by the time the bar closed. If I hadn't made out with anyone or if nobody had expressed interest in me, then it was a lost evening. And so in that chapter that we won't mention the name of on the, <laughs> you can buy the book and you'll see what which one it is. Most people count to chapter nine because I, in the dedication, I say to my, I say, mom, please don't read yes, chapter nine. That was so funny. And she did. So that details this string of guys that I went through, or maybe they went through me (laughs) um, that year after college and the Yom Kippur reference that you make this about, I think that's the final guy in that chapter who was this hot, very sexy general manager of a restaurant that I used to go and hang out with downtown. And 
he like would make jokes about he'd introduce me to people and make the joke like this is Laura we'll sleep together but then you know and it'll be fun then we'll be really good friends and I was like oh he he must mean that we're going to be boyfriend and girlfriend actually he doesn't mean that we're just going to sleep together so he called he asked for my number and I was very excited and then he left me a message on Yom Kippur and saying I think he's said something like this is the day you atone and at the sound of the tone I oh I don't even know what joke I was making I think he was a comedian and he was inviting me to come down and stay over at his place he was like bring stuff to stay over and of course I you know Yom Kippur bad Jew, I went down to his place on Rivington Street and had my one night with him, which was exactly as he intended. (laughs) And to my dismay, he never called me again or wanted to hook up again. But yeah, that was, that was my quest at the time. That was like, you know, I call it, I call it my journey. I won't (laughs) say what kind of journey because we're, (laughs) we're being PG, but really just getting as many notches on my proverbial bedpost or belt as I could, because I thought that that made me an accomplished person. Like, again, a worthy person. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And how do you, how did you get over that? I think I just moved into a new phase. Like, you know what? I, I got a job. <laughs> that was part of it. I got a job. Like for a while, that was my job was being liked by boys. and. Then I got an actual job and I didn't have time. Like I had to get up in the morning. I really prized since even when I was, you know, 22, I've always prized my eight hours and can't function very well without them. So I couldn't afford to stay out late, you know, dude hunting. And so once I got a job, I just became more obsessed with career than with guys. Interesting. So all these things 
the eating, the guys, like there was the friendship. There's all this stuff that you've sort of worked through and you do it all in a very funny way. But, you know, sometimes the humor covers up the pain and in, in mm-hmm. you know, some of the stuff. Like, where do you feel like you are now with all of it? I feel like I am an adult and somewhat self-actualized. I, you know, writing this book, one reason I took so long to write it, because I always wanted to write a book and I had so many different iterations of starts, stops and starts, and never felt like I knew how the book would end. Like, where does it go? Because I have so many stories of screwing up and measuring my self-worth in strange stupid ways, arbitrary ways, and making a lot of mistakes and not fulfilling my potential, et cetera. And it's like, where does it end? And I finally, at age 50, which is when I started really writing the book and sold it, I finally felt like I had an arc to my life, to these stories, where not that I got over everything and became this brand new person, but I do feel like I'd started to fulfill my potential, found work that really tapped my talent and felt like something I would do. This was something I was searching for the whole time, like work that I felt like I would happily keep doing, even if I had so much money, I didn't have to work another day. And I'm also in a very happy, fulfilling relationship with my husband. I am in love with him and I do I found the one and initially he probably wasn't the one that I should be going after. He wasn't ready for a real relationship and maybe neither was I. Like the people I was choosing were probably is probably self-consciously to sabotage the relationship uh, because they wouldn't live up to what I thought I wanted. Um but I was patient with him and And I'm very glad that I was. And so being in a happy relationship is part of that arc, like a, for sure, a happily ever after and work-wise also, I think I've found my thing, but in in many ways, I'm still the same person, I still feel like a hot mess. I'm still like late half the time and I'm pathologically resistant to paperwork and do a lot of things where where somebody's basically saying, ah, oh, Belgrade, you're killing me. <laughs> so I'm still the worst. I highly doubt that. When you <laughs> say you found your thing, tell me about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I had found my thing for a while before, like I found my way into writing TV promos, which was a dream job. And for anyone who doesn't know what TV promos are, they're the the commercial that the network runs for their own shows, like during the commercials, you see something for, you know, coming up on, you know, the new season of succession. You're like, that's a promo. And when I discovered that was a job, I was like, holy crap, I can't believe that's a job. How do I get that job? And I got that job. It was a good time to get in. My friend introduced me to the editorial director at VH1 and she assigned me my first promo. And I did that for years and years. It was truly the dream. I get to I get paid to watch a ton of TV and write these short little things. And then at a certain point I kind of felt like I'm complacent. I should be writing something bigger, something more permanent, something memorable, something that's in my voice, not the voice of the network. I want to write about me. I want to write about my life. And 
my way in for that before writing this book was writing blog posts and then emails. Emails became my main content platform, writing emails to a list of people that were, they were in my voice. They were whatever I wanted to write them about. And when I figured out how to use them to make money, to make a living rather than before that I was starting to make a living from copywriting, from copywriting services, like one-on-one services that I offered to people who had their own businesses. I helped them with their websites, et cetera, et cetera. And I pivoted from that. I found out how I kind of discovered, oh, the way to make money from just from writing my emails is to sell something in my emails besides my services. And so I created courses on copywriting and email marketing and co-created a course called The Copy Cure with my friend Marie Forleo. And that was huge for me because it allowed me to really feel like in this roundabout way, I'm making a living writing whatever the F I want to. And that felt so great and still feels so great. And so whenever, whenever I play that thought game of what would I do if someone handed me, you know, $200 million, it's like, you don't have to work anymore. You're done. I would still write emails to my list. That's one thing that I know I would keep doing. And maybe write another book, though, as you know, when you're in this phase of launching a book, and everyone's asking, what's your next book? You're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I cannot imagine doing this again. And I think that <laughs> I've been told that it's, and I can imagine this, even though I haven't had kids, I can imagine that it is like childbirth in that you forget the pain of it and are like ready to go again at a certain point. We'll see. <laughs> so funny, when I was first starting the podcast, I had this really emotional interview with somebody and she had just lost her dad. And, um, I said, well, you should really write about that. You should write a whole book about that. Like you have so much to say, da, da. And she was like, oh, I don't think I could like deal with having to like, go around and talk about it all the time. And I was like, what? <laughs> what does she mean? <laughs> now you know. Yeah, because you have to repeat the same stuff like a thousand times, which is fine, you know, if you're ready to talk about it or you want to talk about it. But if you yeah. want to just sort of put something out there once, it should probably just be an essay, honestly, right? Yeah, although I know somebody who... I, I mean, I know her because she published a book with my same publisher, with Hachette. It was a memoir and it's great. And she just kind of put it out there, like put one post up, like I wrote a book. Yeah. And that was it. And <laughs> wow. she's thrilled. She's thrilled. She's like, oh yeah, I loved writing a book. And she loved having a book. She doesn't care. I don't think she's just like, did that. Oh, <laughs> Been there, okay. done that, got the t-shirt. I'm like, oh, good for you to and not that's... be attached at all to the, wow. yeah. To the, res- to the sales at all? To the results, yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, maybe that's a, a much more actual, self-actualized <laughs> place. I don't know. I, I maybe. <laughs> that person is probably not like analyzing every flaw in her pictures either. I'm going to guess. Right, right. I, I was just going to say that's also someone who's like, oh, I'm fat, but I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, that's, yes. it's as far into me as someone yeah. saying that. Yeah. Wow. People who are confident or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> What's with that? What's with that? So what advice do you have for aspiring authors? Oh, wow. I think my advice for you is write. Like, don't wait to figure out what you are writing before you write it. Because I think that that can really, that can stall you for years and years. So don't think about that. Don't think about like, will this sell? 
unless your number one goal is to sell a book, is to have written a book that gets published. But if your goal is to write something that you love, the thing that you've always wanted to write, write it without stopping yourself because, you know, oh, publishers don't want that and nobody's going to buy that. I mean, I was told that a lot about the kind of book I was writing. And I know you've been told that too about writing a memoir or a book of essays. And, you know, especially if you have a business or something, you will be told you should write something that goes with your business. That is a how-to, a business book. And if that's not the book you want to write, write the book you want to write. That's my that is my advice. It's not necessarily the most lucrative, easiest path to publishing advice, but it's the path to creative fulfillment. Well, it's like if you're dialing it in because you think this is what somebody else wants, chances are yeah. it's you're not going to have the same spirit and joy. So what you're saying is is makes a lot of sense, right? Like when you try to just fit, okay, I guess I'll write this book. Like that is not yeah. how you should go into writing a book. You should not be probably right. writing a book. <laughs> if you're, you know, it should be like, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be so fun? Or wouldn't it be so interesting? Or wouldn't I learn so much if da da da? da. And then you do. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I agree. Amazing. Well, I'm certainly not going to ask you what you're writing next because God forbid. You know. <laughs> yeah, because I have no clue. I will say that when I finished writing the book, like the moment I finished it, I was, I felt in the groove and I was like, oh, I have other ideas for books. I want to keep writing this. I felt like I'm I'm in a spot and I want to keep on. Now I'm past that and I'm like, no clue, no <laughs> idea. What What was I thinking? Yeah, you have to like, you know, it's like working out. You have to just like keep going every exactly. day. Otherwise you fall so off and you're like, wait, how was I running every day? And now yeah. I can't even like walk around the block with my dog. But anyway. <laughs> Well, Laura, thank you so much. Your book was so funny and, you know, just totally enjoyable and awesome. So anyway, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Zibby. And that means a lot. This is fun. Okay. Me too. For me too. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.